Welcome to The Well. I'm Anson Mount. And I am Brandon Edgens. And today we're going to bring you part two of our interview with violinist and founder of Street Symphony, Vijay Gupta. And this is just a little bit of audio that I had left over, but I thought it was worth listening to because Vijay is in a very rare group of people. He is a recipient of a MacArthur Fellowship. And this is one of those things that I've always wanted to talk about on this show, Brandon, because it's always struck me as this amazing award that's given to artists, scientists, thinkers, and yet the way it's done is one of the strangest and I think mysterious things that I've ever, ever heard. And I, and I, as much as I can, I try to collect these stories uh, because it's wild. Have you met anybody who uh, who's won one of these things? Met? No. Uh-uh. Well, it's a weird thing because the members of the board of the MacArthur, it's, it's, they're all anonymous. So the trick in letting somebody know that they've received a MacArthur <laughs> is something that they've had to think around for quite some time. And eventually uh, they started making anonymous phone calls, right? And that worked for a long time until people got smartphones and we could start seeing uh, blocked phone numbers <laughs> and people stopped picking up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so they eventually had to add a callback number so that they could leave messages saying you might want to call us back. And uh, nobody knows who's on this board. It's really mysterious. Uh, but essentially the award is an astounding amount of money. It changes every year, obviously, as the endowment enlarges and as inflation goes on. But it, it suffice to say it's enough money to change uh, your life and the work you do. And on the MacArthur Fellowship uh, website, it, it explains it as saying, awarding unrestricted fellowships to talented individuals who have shown extraordinary originality and dedication in their creative pursuits and a marked capacity for self-direction. Uh, and there's no strings attached. You use this money however you see fit. And the list of recipients uh, from starting, I believe the first year is in 1981, it, it's kind of astounding. Did you go back and look at, did mm -hmm. you go back and look at any of it? Yeah, who, who, who was on there that stuck out for you? Um, uh, Henry Louis Gates. Uh, Stephen Jay Gould, paleontologist. That's a big one for me. Yeah. Oh, Robert Penn Warren. Oh, yeah. And, and Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, Cormac McCarthy, who definitely doesn't need the money now. But <laughs> yeah, at the time he, he was writing in a cabin in Tennessee, he probably could have used that money. Um, I saw Errol Morris mm -hmm. is on there. I think the same year that uh, Bill Irwin, the famous clown, That's right. was on there. Yeah. And, and, and uh, my, my favorite actually story of receiving the MacArthur's. Chris Thiele, the mandolinist, who uh, <laughs> actually um, thought it was a prank call. And so he, I think he hung up on them the first time. <laughs> 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 and then when he actually, when they convinced him that it was real, I think he ended up hiding underneath his, his dressing room table, not knowing quite what to do. It was right before performance. <laughs> And then, uh, let's see, that who else? Colson Whitehead, Twyla Tharp, Susan Sontag, Anna DeVere Smith. Uh, Frederick Wiseman. I don't know if you know who that no, is. No, who's he's that? A, he's a documentarian, and he makes these like he makes these epic, you know, like three or four hour documentaries. He, what, what he's really known for is this approach to embed. You know, I just thought about this. I always kind of wondered how he could have gotten started because 
Frederick Wiseman's documentaries involve him embedding himself in a situation like when he did high school, for example. He just uh, went to the high school every day for, I think, a year, mm. I think, and uh, maybe more. I, I can't remember. It was a long, long time with a camera, but not even rolling. <laughs> and the point was to get the students to stop noticing him. Oh, right. Of and course. So his entire thing was to try to disappear, and he makes the most amazing documentaries that are just really fly on the wall because he puts so much effort into disappearing, uh, making his him and his equipment invisible. Oh, is this the guy that went to live with the turkeys? No, uh-uh. oh. uh. Well, although I wonder if he was. I wonder, wait, wonder if he was on here. He needs one. Yeah, he, the same guy also because <laughs> he did that trick twice. I forgot the guy's name, but he also went and um, uh, went to go live with mule deer. So yeah. <laughs> Um, there's one that I've always loved, uh, Samuel Mockby. Uh, I don't know if you know who this guy is. He's an architect. He teaches at, at uh, Auburn, and uh, he runs this thing called the Rural Studio. On the Rural Studio's website, it explains itself as, we're working to develop a scalable, sustainable, agile, and resilient delivery process for beautiful, well-designed, high-performance, affordable homes that can be titled as real property uh, while also supporting an industry of home building and an underserved rural community. So in other words, what they do is the students, as their assignments, they go and they make architectural homes that have running water and electricity. And at the end of the assignment, those homes are then titled and given to um, to needy families. And, and I don't know if they're still doing this, but back in the day, one of the assignments was, I think, using mostly found materials. So you have these gorgeous homes built out of things like, you know, uh, tires and bottles. And, and you've got the feel of a, of a southern sort of dystopia remodeled into something gorgeous. And, uh, and I just love the, the work that they do and, and the difference that they're making in that part of Alabama. Ruralstudio.org. Uh, people should go take a look at it because the designs and everything are beautiful. Not to, just adding on to what you oh, yeah. already said, you know, but just look up the Rural Studio on, uh, on the internets. Yeah. It's beautiful r- stuff. Yeah, ruralstudio.org. And they, they've got not just home designs, but they do architect, they do a landscape. Uh, they do. Oh, did you see the um, the animal shelter that they designed? No. Oh, here, hold on. You got to see this. Wow. Wow. First of all, I would never think. Look at that and think animal shelter. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would think. It's it's a beautiful structure, but I couldn't. I would. I really couldn't guess the function by looking at it. I mean, it's it's sort of like a horse stable barn, but I mean, not shaped like that at all. I mean, it's got kind of the floor plan of one. Just the use of the way they the, the way they uh, put together these basic materials creates these really beautiful sort of honeycomb coffered ceilings along this very long. It looks like a sort of a silo on its side, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Samuel Mockby, really good example of somebody who's been given a MacArthur uh, fellowship in the past, and VJ. Uh, once word got out about Street Symphony, uh, somehow um, his name got passed around MacArthur, and uh, they decided to to include him in uh, that year's class and tried to give him a call. <laughs> Although I do think he picked up. Anyways, I'm going to let him tell the story, and then we'll uh, pick you up on the other side. 
totally. Well, I have to ask a housekeeping question first. Can I curse on your show? Oh, absolutely. Please. <laughs> we, we prefer it. <laughs> it's an absolute mindfuck. It absolutely is just the weirdest phone call in the world. And I have to say, I mean, it's, it's a mindfuck as well because of how it changes, how it changed my relationships with my colleagues and my friends and my the people who I work with. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But yeah, the, the phone call, you know, you, you get, a, a, get, a, get a call from a 312 number in Chicago. And of course, you don't answer a call that you don't recognize the number for, right? And, and, and Chris Thiele, the mandolinist, he, he, he has got a great story where essentially he just kept, kept ignoring this call and then he thought it was a prank. Uh, from other from other people, but yeah, they, they called me on my way to rehearsal, and of course, I was late to rehearsal that day. They called me, and I had a, I was you know leasing a, a new car that you know I set up the Bluetooth thing, so I just hit the hit the answer button on the on the on the thing, and it was you know, this call and they said, you know, is this VJ? Um, you know, we're calling from the MacArthur Foundation. We'd like to let you know that you have been selected as, you know, one of the recipients of the of the the fellowship. Um, which is essentially an, an inordinate sum of money, uh, especially to an artist that's paid out over five years. Um, and you have this information kind of flooding out to you. And, and you know, they, they call you a month before they make the public release. So they say, you know, this, this is just your time to process it. You can tell one other person, but this is confidential and embargoed until it comes out. And I, I, I started cursing on the call. And meanwhile, and, and then I hear on the call, the entire MacArthur committee, uh, probably of panelists and people who chose me and people who nominated me, they're all in the room and they're <laughs> all laughing their asses off. And that's when I knew the call was real. Like that's, I mean, I, 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 it was just surreal, but at the same time, I, I was late for rehearsal. So I had to text our LA Phil personnel manager and tell him, Hey, I, I'm going to be late for rehearsal, but I can't tell you why. <laughs> Um, which, was, which was like, you know, he, he was just like scowling at me when I walked in. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and then at the same time, it's this strangely lonely experience as well, because everyone on the outside assumes, well, you've got the so-called genius grant. So A, you're a genius and B, you don't need my money anymore. So you're fine. Right. And and you've got it all figured out. So you're all, you know, uh, you're totally taken care of. And and the truth is, I, I have never had more questions and more doubt in my life than I have had uh, since I was named uh, a, a fellow. You know, in a sense, I think I started to experience what failure felt like, what real creative generative failure felt like, because I chose to, to leave the LA Philharmonic. And that was a very difficult decision for me to make. Um, but I, and I, and I, I wanted to, to leave not only to dive into Street Symphony, but also to find out what was next for me as a creative artist. And that was another step of, I think maybe mirroring my parents' decision to, to dive into the void and, and jump off the cliff and see what would happen. But I, I feel like this is a place where artists and entrepreneurs are very similar, um, where we constantly make a daily practice of just throwing ourselves in the deep end, and we make a daily practice of failure and forgiveness um, so that we just keep coming up. We keep showing up to whatever is in front of us, and that's how we grow. Um, 
but how weird would that be? You know, because it's it's not like winning the lottery. I mean, that would be great, but it's like it's like winning the lottery because this group of other people who have made a difference in the world have all decided that you are doing something important and then you need to keep doing that. I mean, how great would that kind of phone call be? You know, it would be, it would be, it'd be amazing. I think it would take me a little while to catch up to the idea because I think at first I would just, it would be like anything else where you do like maybe doing naturally until you realize everyone's watching you. And then realize that you can't screw, you can't do it at your own pace anywhere. Like, oh man, people are really expecting great things from me. I need to, I need, I need to really like focus here. Although I'm, I'm, I doubt VJ had any problems focusing before this. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I think he has plenty of focus. Is produced, recorded, and edited by Brandon Edgens and me, Anson Mount. Theme music by Jonathan Myberg. The music you're hearing right now is VJ playing Johann Sebastian Bach on his album Win the Violin. We'll provide a link to it in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>